In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. We're here today with Chad Huntington and Steve Blackmire. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hey, guys. How Gentlemen, are you? Welcome to the show. Thank you for Thank coming. You. Thanks Thank for having you. us. So, welcome. Thank welcome. you. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what's going to happen. Because I, yeah, yeah. I clearly got confused earlier, right. so let's make sure well, there's no have confusion. Well, I you guys just talk about, introduce yourselves. That way people get to know your voice and you can tell us what. You okay, well, this is Chad, and I am the general manager of Water Taxi on the Bricktown Canal. And I've pretty much just been a long time downtown fixture, for better or for worse. I used to be the executive director of the Automobile Alley Main Street program, and I was the first marketing director of downtown Oklahoma City Incorporated. And <laughs> I knew it. Um, yeah, so, yes, there is, there is a connection there. You and, just got lucky there. <laughs> <laughs> Just just a Saved. long time downtown guy. Uh, my name is Steve Lackmeyer. I write a little bit of poetry, and that's really it. <laughs> Published in a little local rag. Yeah, yeah, I'm in a little alternative weekly. <laughs> oh, life would be so much more simpler. Yes, uh, let's see. So my name is Steve Lackmeyer. I started at the Oklahoma in 1990. Uh, first, I was the police beat reporter. Uh, covered a lot of bad, bad stuff. And then I covered a really bad thing in 1995. And that was it for me covering bad, bad stuff. Well. That'll do it to you. Uh, and since then, I have pretty consistently covered downtown development, either as a city hall reporter covering maps or as a business writer and columnist. It was a couple of years where uh, they promoted me uh, to uh, doing investigative writing. Mm -hmm. And uh, people don't like me doing that. I was not. They don't like the investigative stuff? Yeah. They don't like you asking questions. They didn't, they didn't like me asking about how purchase cards were being used and all that. Mm -hmm. So No, uh, no, no. We don't like you asking about our purchase cards. Uh, <laughs> no, we don't. No, we don't. So you guys know a little bit about what's going uh, on in Oklahoma City then? Yeah, and I've, I've written. Oh, six, seven books. I, I can't keep track anymore. But uh, I've, I've had a good run. And also... Uh, I tweet. Yeah. I tweet. He <laughs> and Chad, Chad was... Uh, if you're looking for anyone to blame for me uh, on Twitter, Chad is one of the main people to blame. Uh, he I kept was on, partially yes, responsible for that. Yes, I'm sorry. You should be. It's, well, what happened? Oh, I've got almost 13,000 people following me on Twitter who are subjected to all sorts of crazy things. Uh, it's the same kind of people who follow Britney Spears. They're waiting for the meltdown. They're waiting, they're, they're waiting for the meltdown. It's a, it's a Jim Traver. It's, it's a Jim Traver kind of thing. Yeah, it's a Jim Traver It's like thing. watching a train wreck. One night I found a wonderful Jack Webb movie called uh, 30, you know, like the old deadline 30 you know at the end of a, of a news release back in the mid 20th century and it was a god awful wonderful movie uh jack <laughs> webb who is uh you know in dragnet and 
Mm -hmm. Oh, it was sexist. It was unrealistic. It was it was wonderful. And I live tweeted the entire <laughs> two hour movie. Because <laughs> sometimes I'm just I'm trying to see how many followers I can scare away. I only want those who are dedicated yeah. to right. following what I've got to say. Uh, I'm, I'm not unfamiliar with doing all the stuff on social media that other people, uh, you know, are all about you not doing. So I unfollowed, him. I unfollowed him years ago. Yeah, <laughs> it was a smart move. I only lost 16 that night, though, that was curiously. It? So only 16. Uh uh, and they probably came back eventually. I don't know. Or maybe not. They were probably prob trying to convince others to just stay away. <laughs> but no, I, I, uh, I've done several books. First one is one I'm still really proud of, OKC Second Time Around, that really delved into the history of downtown OKC with what really happened uh, with the urban renewal plan that tore down hundreds of buildings, the bombing, uh, and then the rebuilding as part of MAPS. Mm -hmm. uh, did that with Jack Money, and it still sells really well. Really uh, but uh, of all the things I've done in my career, uh, hitting 26 years now, th that was probably one of the biggest and that I'm most proud of because we really got to clarify a lot of misinformation that had gotten out over the years. Now, you also yeah. worked on the, the film Row book. Well, right, I contributed you, oh, you the foreword oh, on the that. Okay, that was Bradley right. Wynn. But the books I have done were OKC Second Time Around. Then I did a book with Jack Money on the Skirvin, mm -hmm. which really enjoyed. Did a solo, a couple solo books, one on Bricktown, doing a sequel on that now. Mm -hmm. And I did... Andrew and, Black. Yeah, well, there was one book that I decided to deviate from all the others, and that is Foraging Oklahoma. And Andrew Black is a dear, dear friend of mine. Uh, we first got to uh, know each other when he was hired to open up the restaurants and uh, banquets at uh, the Skirvin. And he was still there, and he had this dream of doing a book. And he had been traveling around the state trying to find local produce and goods to uh, use in his restaurant. Now, that sounds like a pretty common thing now. But back then, that was before Ludovon. Right. That was before a lot of the farm-to-table things that you're seeing now. And Andrew grew up in Jamaica. And he's got a fascinating a, story anyway. Yeah, it's I mean, an it, amazing story. That's a podcast and, for you right there. Yeah. He's, the Andrew guy's Black. got a fascinating I'd story. I'd, yeah, and he's about to open a couple of restaurants in Deep Deuce. So I'd love to have him uh, join you all because yeah. he's an amazing voice. And what I ended up doing was, you know what? I'd like to do something totally different from my other books, and that is write in someone else's voice. And just to make sure it's really difficult, I'll pick this gentleman who's got a Jamaican voice, <laughs> and I've got to do it in such a way in which it doesn't make fun of that accent, and yet lets it be what it is. And it was an amazing okay, project. Yeah. We had great photography by J.D. Merriweather mm. of uh, uh, formerly of Coop Ale mm -hmm. fame. We'll find mm -hmm. out what his next big thing is. And uh, then uh, the book, uh, just it's one of those things that really stood out, something that I wanted to do to show I could do something different. That's great. So, and then the others were in the YMCA, uh, the Devon Energy Center, and uh, I think that's it. Did you say Bricktown? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, did Bricktown. Bricktown. So, yeah. uh, but no, I've been I just want to mention Bricktown again. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, but I've, 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 I've really had, I've really been blessed with a great career. And so, uh, yeah, so I've just spoken a lot more than Chad because, you know, it's all about me. 
Uh, I'm sorry, but that, uh, that's, you, yeah, I mean, you've you've seen, I mean, everything firsthand here in Oklahoma City over the past 25 years. You that's know. amazing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, from the humble beginnings of you know the gravel parking lots of Spaghetti Warehouse in Bricktown up to up to now, there's there's a lot that's happened in between. Oh yeah, I can tell you a story about when Jim Belushi was out here uh, getting into a uh, bar fight. Yes, so. let's hear okay, it. yeah, let's hear that. <laughs> oh, you want to hear Brick, that story? Bricktown yeah. Charlie's. Yeah, it was right next door. And, what was yeah. Bricktown Charlie's? Well, it well, was it was called Bricktown Harley's until <laughs> until Harley Davidson took exception, so they changed yeah. it to Bricktown Charlie's. Oh, and uh, yeah, you want the story? Mojo's well, uh, yeah. biting. Jim Belushi sound. got into oh, a bar fight. Yeah. That's, oh, okay. But you want the story? Jim Belushi got into a bar fight. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that he was even uh, here. And then got into a bar fight. That's, I mean, that, that's called Mojo's now, drink. not the Biting Sow anymore? Uh, I, so. uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. It's been Mojo's for like yeah. last I haven't been there since years. it was Nobody the Biting Nobody put up a plaque that said Jim Belushi got in a <laughs> fight here? Yeah. I, you think they would, but no. No. You know, Just for reference, that was a much more fascinating to the point story than the live tweeting of the movie. <laughs> Well, I, had, <laughs> so I was about to go to sleep over here for that one, but I really enjoyed the Jim Belushi story. Well, I've been, I've been trying to make sure you get adequate sleep now for about 15 years now. So, oh no, almost 20 years if you think about yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any famous people bar fight stories, Chad? Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, no, I guess I don't have famous people bar fight stories. We have some. Famous people stories. We've carried a few famous people on the canal. That's like who? that's been interesting. Oh, um, we've had you know notable Oklahomans, obviously like uh, Vince Gill, and, and he came with Amy Grant, and we mm-hmm. and we had uh, Blake Shelton, and you know a few people like that. But we've also had a um, falling down drunk Cindy Lauper, <gasps> and no yeah, way, oh, really? yeah, we've had. Yeah. I love Cindy Lauper. Oh, She's like. And if she's falling down drunk, so, that's yeah, going to be great. Absolutely. So there was a Steven down Tyler. Dr- we had the other Steven Tyler also. <laughs> the real Steven hey, well, Tyler. Well, we've had both well, Steven, Tyler's Steven Tyler's now. Tyler's. <laughs> no, I didn't say the real. I said the other. Blackmire uh, said the real. I read Tyler. Tyler. Oh, okay. I'm just I'm not very respectful this morning. <laughs> I'm just so excited now to hear about a drunken Cindy Lauper on the boats at the uh, canal. It's yeah. And great. you've had you've had Rudy Giuliani out here. You had, hey, you had Willard Scott. Ooh. Yeah, before he looked like he was 100 years old. Uh, he Easy. was at the very Easy. first. Oh, he's kind of old now. <laughs> well, he, uh, he but no, he was at the very first July Fourth celebration. Was uh, it really? Yeah, yeah. Entertaining. So the were the Nixons. Back from, yes, Nixons. Yeah, they were. He, I think they were called. They may have just started being called the Nixons, but they were previously. Is that an animal? I've got to ask. You know, at one point I was mentioning that Jim Blossoms have played down here, and you're like. Inferring that that may be incredibly lame that I thought Jim Blossoms played down here. I didn't think that it was lame. I just, you were holding it up as an oh, example of the Blossoms. great <laughs> shows. Show that that I, I really <laughs> love Jim Blossoms. We've had the Beatles, yeah. we've had the Jim Blossoms. The Jim Blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> I just really liked Jim Blossoms, but I didn't realize it was that. I mean, is it kind of like that Everybody boy band that was from Oklahoma City? Every, uh, Color Me Bad. Color, Color Me, Me Bad, bad. yeah. There's a cover band for them now, I think, called Color Me Something. I don't know what. While, the, while some of the Color Me Bad members are like in destitute <laughs> poverty, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I think one of them oh, now cover band doing the there. Hibdens, right? What? One of them manages a Hibdens, I think. Some, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah, I had I to write some stories about on. him where there was like a paternity suit. Oh, oh come on. Some <laughs> wrote bad dad. doesn't bad have a paternity dad. suit? <laughs> that headline read point. bad dad with B-A-D-D dad. <laughs> That's harsh. But I didn't write that. He'll never live it down. Oh, <laughs> uh, but no, you've had a lot of cool people come in, and then you know, you have a few rock and roll greats coming in here through ACM, which is kind of cool. So. That's true. Uh, uh, and here in the studio where we sit, there's a there's a TV hanging on the wall and it rotates these photos out. And I looked up earlier and I'd love this picture. It's Scott Booker and Jackson Brown and Wayne Coyne all just sitting in a room together. Like, that's a cool yeah. picture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was Wayne Coyne that when they dedicated Flaming Lips Alley. Oh wait. So on a podcast, can you curse or yes. not? Yes, you can do whatever you want. So let's test Chad's memory. So you got the mayor, <laughs> mayor Mick Cornett on the stage with Roy Williams, oh, yeah, head of the Chamber of Commerce, all these dignitaries, right. and they're dedicating Flaming Lips Alley. Yes, and Wayne gives his seal of, appro- of approval. <laughs> Wayne Coyne gives his seal of approval to the city by saying, "Come on." What do you say? Something to the effect of Oklahoma City is on its way to becoming the coolest effing city in America. So isn't that, isn't that what it was? It was Except the coolest it, fucking city yeah, in well, America. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we have the seven second delay? No, <laughs> we're, we're getting no, we'll uh, uh, Yeah, you had that right to Mayor's side. So well, that was good. Okay, okay so what did, Mick, so, did Mick just look at him? I, I, well, they just looked a little bit nervous. The, okay, so the mayor smiled. I think Roy maybe squirmed a little bit. But what you don't know is that after that, uh, so at the time I had a store here in Bricktown, and the store still exists. Oklahoma's Red Dirt Emporium. We don't. Uh, uh, we uh, sold it to someone years ago, but uh, to a friend of ours. But the mayor came into the after party, knowing that I had this store, and uh, came up and said to me, "How long before you have that slogan on a T-shirt?" Like he wanted to see it <laughs> on a T-shirt. So I, I don't think the mayor was quite as uncomfortable as you might I think. Well, he I don't think he, thought it was he probably had a minute he, to think about well, it. Well, I think that there were, you know, it was kind of a, oh well, okay. It, <laughs> it is. Uh, we are kind of hanging our, uh, hitching our wagon to to a rock star. I guess that comes along with it. But but I think yeah. that was a good move. The the flaming lips alley move. Sure. ACM would have never happened without that. I mean, there's a lot of uh, yeah. there's a lot of great things that come about in this city because of. Something else that that came about. And I guess that's the, the way it works, probably everywhere. But it's a town that's so interconnected, and those signs are still popular with visitors taking photographs. Oh, I, I see it all the time. All the time. Stephen, you be, see it, don't you? All the time. Out yeah, here. I mean, it used to be one of the, like the most stolen street signs in the city, too. Was I was yeah. not aware of that. Yeah, yeah that people come and, and take photos of it all the time. I see it. Huh. You know. That's cool. Uh, I and, think, you and you'll can, probably see a lot more of that. By the way, now when you start seeing the shows that we're going to be getting now right. at places like at Criterion, oh, yeah. because that's going to draw that's going to draw a crowd that is you know is also listens to the Flaming Lips. So I think that yeah. I think that you're going to see a lot more travel because of that probably. <laughs> so that's kind of a good little segue uh, into talking about what's radio going on instead of us just so rambling. Radio. No, no, I was referring to the segue outside. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying that's a good that's a good little segue. <laughs> Uh, that is technically Scott Booker's segue. Scott's you know. got a segue, but I yeah. think I think I've put more miles on it than he has at this point. I think I, I've I, ever I, seen. I Scott like to refer to it as the thinking segue. You're trying to figure something out. You get on that and write it in circles. 
But yeah, back yeah. to the. Yeah. <laughs> we just totally so ruined your. I, we I totally ruined away your with the segue. segue. Totally <laughs> that was a segue, segue. And I know you've got to do that because I had to take a semester of radio in college, so we just totally messed you up. No, I, well, I'm segue. the one that derailed that. Was it was well played this. though to for it to actually be a segue, 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 yeah. Stephen, segue, segue, segue. Yeah, so. So, yeah, we've got a lot of cool stuff going on. I mean, you <laughs> talked about you wrote a book about Bricktown before because Bricktown obviously went through this yeah. massive renovation decades ago and became became where it is now. And now it's almost like getting a feels like it's getting a second wind again. Yeah. Like we're getting some changes. We've got some big new developments planned. I mean, literally right. Not even 50 feet you from know, this building is going to be a whole new structure with retail yeah. and parking and. You know, if you look at the history of Bricktown, first of all, it started in 1979, 1980. Uh, I'll skip the boring history part, but it's gone through spurts. If you want to know the boring history, you can check out his book. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was me snoring. <laughs> okay. and, it's, uh, and you can even find it on sale at Walgreens. So there you go. Walgreens? Or your local yeah. bookstore. Walgreens sells books? Yeah, they do. They got they they have some, not many. Or but yeah. full circle books. My favorite's full circle books. If That's you're where I bought my copies from. Get, get, get your North book Express at full way. circle books. <laughs> yeah, shop local, man. Let's, uh, yeah, well, it was kind of a joke. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think any serious, you know, bibliophile is going to be like perusing the aisles at Walgreens. But, well, well, we, we all go to Walgreens. Yeah, yeah. we, we all do go to Walgreens. Well. I, you know, you're kind of like distracting from okay. the topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so back to, yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, Bricktown was in a lot of ways inspired by West End in Dallas. Sure. And when I was in college, Oklahoma City, yeah, that's right. We can say whatever we want here. Because right? mm-hmm. my bosses don't listen to podcasts. Whatever you want. <laughs> Uh, so far, until they, uh, get, until they get a link sent by an irate reader, <laughs> that's right? Yeah. One of those thirteen thousand. I, I could make some comments about how kind of absurd it well, is to me that one of the largest news organizations, media companies in the city, doesn't listen to podcasts. No, stop! But I, 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 I didn't. I'll, I didn't. I digress. We we have great sports podcasts. So there uh, are there are a few of those. Yeah, but you know the old the the. Uh, over 50, oh, I can't even say over 50 crap, but 50. That's scary. <laughs> uh, look, can we move on? Yeah, uh, yeah back, back to Bricktown. Back to Bricktown. Yeah, back to Bricktown. So anyway, uh, I was inspired by West End. And when I was in college uh, a long, long time ago, when we used to walk two miles through the snow to school, <laughs> uh, Oklahoma City was lame. I mean, there was nothing to do here. So we would go down to West End in Dallas and have fun. This is true. This is Oklahoma City was so lame that you would actually Mm. leave the state, go to Dallas for entertainment. And it was usually like a couple times a month. And and you you did go to Dallas on the regular to hang out. Went a couple times a month. Wow. I mean, I grew Uh, up in Moore, and I remember like some of the first shows I ever went to when I got to the point where I could drive were all in Dallas and Austin and like there was nothing. And you you didn't really think twice about it because you didn't know any different, but it also set the stage in your mind that that's a place that you wanted to eventually live. No, right. Oklahoma City was not where you wanted to live. You wanted yeah. to live in a place exciting like that. Yeah. Well, let's fast forward. So West End at its height had a Planet Hollywood, had a six-screen theater, had a multi-level mall. It was great. It was a lot of fun. You had this uh, string of clubs, great restaurants, and Bricktown aspired to be like West End. But as we got into the 90s, it kept on reinventing itself. It did better at events. And that was very much due to uh, Jim Brewer, uh, who was one of the early promoters of Bricktown. 
Uh, his sons, Brett and Brent, are still very active in Bricktown. And a lot of people have a very mixed view of Jim. Uh, he, uh, and, and they should. I mean, Jim and I had one of these frenemy uh, right. things going on. I remember one time, uh, I'm keep on diverting, but this is too good a story not to tell. Uh, <laughs> Jim Brewer was really upset with me, and he was very upset with the then director of the Bricktown Association. And we're walking along Oklahoma Avenue, right in front of this building. And he's in his big red Ford F-150 pickup. And he stops to the side of us. And all of a sudden you hear the automatic uh, window start going. And he points like he's got a big shotgun in his hands. He goes, you know, right now I can take both of you out with one bullet. And then the window goes all the way up. And he drives off. And for wow. context, this would have been right in front of what is now the Jim Brewer building. Right. As well. yes. <laughs> yes. And yet Jim also trusted me, of all people, to tell his life story, which was amazing. And if you understood his backstory, you'd understand why he was the way he was. I mean, he actually lived in a chicken coop for a while. He was so poor and so badly parented. So he had it rough. He was an oil oil guy in the roughest of terms, got in nightclubs for a while. But he made Bricktown really start to uh, hum when uh, the original developers went bankrupt in Oil Bust. He brought in the Bricktown warehouse, haunted warehouse. He started doing festivals. And this is where we started deviating from the West End model. And then maps really took us in a new direction because suddenly you had no San Antonio influence with the canal. And the ballpark. And the ballpark. And Everything the arena starts changing. Adjacent. Yeah. I, I mean, I, so, it did become a different animal entirely. Yeah. And now West End's really been dead for quite a while. That uh, West End marketplace closed, I think, about a decade ago and still isn't back to life. And the whole area is just really dead. But I think the and, thing that's fantastic about Bricktown, though, too, is that as it continues to evolve, even now, it's yeah. become. Uh, higher education with ACM. It's become right. an office. There's great right. office development. People don't know how many um, headquarters are down here. There yeah, are a lot of jobs that are in down right, here. Right. And, 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 and housing, also hotel, but but there's housing coming, and it, it's establishing a, a vibrancy and an authenticity in the district that it didn't have before and that West End really has never had. So right, right. It, it is surpassing that and, model. And that's what I'm saying. Every few years, it seems like Bricktown has been able to add a new ride to reinvent itself in a good way. And I remember when I, when I was first tracking ACM coming in and when I, there was finally about to be an announcement. And I uh, teased it on my blog with a picture of Jack Black, you know, in the yeah, uh, movie uh, School, School of, of Rock. Rock. Oh, yeah. And everyone's like, oh, wow, we're getting a hard rock cafe. And I'm like, <laughs> no, this is actually cool and better than that. Yeah. And uh, everyone was trying to figure out, okay, what's he talking about? And I said then, and I think it's been proven out, you know, you don't hear of anything special going at Hard Rock Cafes. You don't hear yeah. of Jackson Brown. <clears throat> you don't hear of, well, Roger Daltrey. Uh, you don't hear of all these amazing, great names have come through doing these master's classes and all the wonderful talent that's going on around here. It's really about music. Hard Rock Cafe is about a corny concept. It's mm -hmm. dead music almost if you think about it. And this yeah. is live music. Okay, now if ACM ever could like 
put a restaurant in that first floor where it emphasizes all the cool <laughs> things, and that'd be cooler than a hard rock cafe. Right. Uh, but you look at ACM and you look at the uh, concerts that it started to develop and its relationships with uh, various restaurants and uh, establishments in Bricktown where it's bringing the uh, uh, up-and-coming uh, music talent, not just the musicians, as you know, but those who are in the business those who are behind the scenes and it's really a great mix now we see uh you know we saw a reinvention of bricktown with lower bricktown in mm -hmm. 2002 through 2005 we saw the addition of brickopolis last year which is good uh we saw an influx of hotels which added another aspect of life to bricktown now i truly believe we're about to see the amazing transformation of bricktown into a live music hub one that Oklahoma City has really needed for decades. We've really been on the short end of the stick with Tulsa for way too long. And uh, it's time for us to, and it's not about trashing Tulsa. No, Chad's got his own view on that, thing, but you know, we need to have live music here. Yeah, yeah, talking about driving down to Dallas to go yeah. to the, you know, there's been so yeah. many times where we've driven to Tulsa to go see a band. Yeah. Right. And this is going, I, and I'm assuming you're talking about what the Criterion opening up, and that's, yeah. that's a Live Nation venue. Which, yeah, brings a whole other Brings aspect. a whole other group. Because used to, if there were people on, you know, Live, Live Nation tours, they didn't come to Oklahoma. Right. You know, well, and it has impacts that I think a lot of people aren't connecting the dots on, too, where, uh, you know, I was talking with, with Derek Brown about this the other day, and I, I think he agreed as, as we are discussing it. Derek works here at ACM, but uh, among other things. But we were talking about that venue and what it's going to bring and that promotion, what it brings. I said, well, I think maybe sp the Springsteen show that's coming, which is not the same thing that a Springsteen show would have been 25 years ago, sure. but it's still a really big show uh, to come to come here to Oklahoma City, and we've had a lot of a lot of big shows. But if you notice, that's a Live Nation uh, show, and it's not right. the first time we've had Live Nation shows at the arena. But I don't think that it's a coincidence. I bet we start to see more shows at the arena. Right. Because ah. because Live Nation okay. now has a relationship not only with the Criterion but also with the Tower, right. uh, with with <clears throat> Leveland. So I, I do think that our live music scene is just going to go up exponentially and that's because been of that. I've heard okay, people awesome. push back about Tulsa too. They're like, "Well, why does Tulsa get the better shows at BOK right. when we you know we have right. the Chesapeake?" It's like, well, again, the the scene up there is more conducive. So the promoters and all these people and managers and bands and everybody are used to Tulsa. They are. Because and Tulsa they have has the there. storied history of being a music right. city. And, and so like and you're you saying, now that, now that we're going to bring them here, it's going to be like, oh, yeah, Oklahoma City is a viable market for that show. Yes. At the, at the yeah. and, and, and I also, yeah. my theory has long been that Oklahoma City helps prop the Tulsa market. And again, this is not against Tulsa. I, I'm still going to go to shows in Tulsa, guys. I mean, sure. Canes is one of my all-time favorite awesome. venues yeah. in the world. I think it's, I think it's probably one of the, I've heard it ranked as a top 10 club venue in the world and, and i believe that i love brady I, I will still regularly go to see shows because i enjoy going there True. and i enjoy those venues but uh i think that that now with the addition you know uh people are going to have the choice to stay here or people are going to have those shows and not be forced to drive and i'm interested in what it does to the numbers at a place like canes because i think that you know correct me if i'm wrong don't you when you guys go to shows at Canes, don't you see a bunch of Oklahoma City people? I always oh, I totally. go there. Yeah. Go I, together, I go there yeah. and I'm like, oh hey, sure. so and so and so. And and yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if 20 percent of that audience came from Oklahoma City or maybe more. Yeah. So it's 
we've been propping that, and it's the same the thing that we were talking about with Dallas. It's just your expectation. You grow up here, you go to shows at Canes. You're right. And and I think that we're breaking through that expectation. Well, I think well, the other really powerful thing that's happening, if you think about this, and I, we hear about this a lot in ter- from an ACM touring band perspective, is we know, like we're saying, we know people play shows in Austin and Dallas and those markets. We know people play shows in Kansas City and Tulsa and all this other stuff. So for a while, the stretch between Dallas and Kansas City has been this dark highway of mm-hmm. nothing. And so there's not a reason for bands to stop. And the touring band, especially like a regional level band, like more of the tower style, their their tour is perpetuated on that show funding the next leg, funding the next leg. If they don't make money off the merch right. table and the ticket sales at that show, sometimes they can't make it to the next city. And so by Oklahoma City filling in this gap with these venues, because now with uh, everything from the 89th Street Collective all the way up to the Chesapeake, we're going to have a venue at almost every level of capacity. Absolutely. From 80 to 300 to 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 to 4,000. to I mean, we've got that. So now we're we're a stop. We're no longer that flyover drive-through city. Jones Assembly, Jones at, Assembly, Twenty One C. So you're going to have all these all these great venues. And I've always felt like Farmers Market, by the way, should Farmers be, Market is too, th- totally a viable. That venue. should be a venue along the lines of of Canes. In fact, it has some of the. There's fascinating Bob Wills it's history connected history. with that too. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I, I agree that you know it, venue had a lot to do with it in the past and they if they were making that stop they were making it at Tulsa and a lot of times you did see shows you saw some shows at places like the Green Door Rest in Peace when it was here <laughs> or at um, at um, Theopolis that maybe shouldn't have been there totally and, and you go oh my gosh I can't believe that they're playing mm-hmm. Theopolis and part of that has to do with you know with Andy's connections in the right. in the industry but but you would you would get these great shows that really didn't belong because that was the only thing cool Oklahoma City had to offer. Yeah, and shout out to him too. Some of the best shows I think we've had at the ACM Performance Lab have been Opolis. And if you talk to right. Andy, it's simply capacity. It's like yeah. this show is too big for me. Otherwise, right. I would do it at my spot. But it's and, and gonna the Performance sell Lab has helped really establish a new identity for Bricktown as well. I mean, the fact that just a couple weeks ago, Chad and I were walking to go, uh, we were trespassing the Criterion Construction <laughs> site. But that's we, what, we, down, that that's what downtown building geeks do. Is yeah, we, we trespass. Uh, I've buzzed it a few times. I've been doing it for over two decades, not arrested yet. Uh, and, and some of them know we do it, uh, which is kind of funny. Uh, but we uh, passed the performance lab, and there was a great uh, singer there from what New York. Or? I can't remember what show she, was there. I, and I'm sorry, it was, I'm, wasn't I'm, in my wheelhouse, but it, but it was good. It sounded great on the street, yeah. and we, I feel you know, bad got up I don't and know looked, looked about. through the window, and and I was like, wow, I'd I didn't love even to see. I will say this: I would love probably a couple hundred people I, at the show. Here's my challenge to you guys: I would love to see a little marquee sign outside of the performance lab. Uh, that's needed. Yeah. We, okay, so there you go. So <laughs> Scott, Scott Booker. If there are, if there are any sponsors Booker, listening. Scott Booker. Uh, well, you need to Dr. talk. Dr. Betts. Ace, talk to ACM's technical guy. Yeah, what, there needs to be. Yeah. Anybody knows he, he would be uh, in charge yeah. of that. Hey, 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 hey I've tried. I can't get anything past Brickdown Design, so. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to call Sandino. We're Sandino and John just on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I, I 
I'd kind of doubt that. Uh, I think they'd like to see Marky, but you know, but what, <laughs> when you have music, student musicians being seen with their instruments walking all along downtown, I mean, Bricktown, because obviously they're looking for the free parking spot that can tie up all day, but, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> or cheap oh, eats, but, yeah, you just, but no, little, but they, uh, but they, uh, but no, but having the musicians all over Bricktown streets during the weekdays too. And then when you have a performance venue like the Criterion, it'll accommodate up to 4,000 people. And you have a really great Bricktown event center that was totally remodeled. Oh. And it is in itself a great concert it's, venue. Yeah, it's a beautiful venue. I think they've got Ben Folds in May or April. Right, yeah. Well, actually, uh, speaking of somebody else coming through that you don't ever suspect or expect to come through on uh, New Year's Eve, they had Super Diamond. Which was the Neil Diamond cover band, you know? And yeah. I used to go watch their shows in Denver 15 years ago. And when I saw that they were common, I was like, holy shit, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. I never yeah. thought in a million years they would have come through I, here. I, I had a couple of comp tickets. and uh, Oh, thanks for I, sharing. I, <laughs> I gave them to my brother and his girlfriend. Oh, okay. All right. Because my well brother played. has been a Neil Diamond fan All right. since he was like four. <clears throat> so, okay. And it was a really cool evening for him and his girlfriend. Okay. So. You I got comfortable to get to that too, not to complain about it. They they really the only thing about it though was it was a little disappointing because they came in and kind of did like this sort of like abbreviated set. Mm. They didn't really just come in and play like Neil Diamond mm. songs. They they did a couple like all the way through, but it was just kind of these like sort of medleys and just abbreviated versions of the songs. And they took like a really long break. And then came back and did like a few more medleys and then left. It's like so a casino like, show. Maybe of, they're doing casino shows it, and this was just their casino set. It could have been. Because I think it that, totally could know, have been. I mean, seriously, they encourage those people. This is why I'm excited about having this venue. Because you see, or I'm talking about Criterion and, and the tower and and uh, the development that we have going on there is they, there's a lot of great artists that go to casinos, but it's an abbreviated show. It yeah. almost always is because they want to push people out onto the onto the casino floor. That's right. probably exactly what it was. Yeah, it just seemed like something where they could come in and just get it. Yeah. Well, that's get it unfortunate. Out. That's like I, it was still awesome though. Casinos, Don't get me wrong, it was I've still seen, great. Uh, uh, Little River Band, Chris Isaac, Billy Squire. Like I wanted to see them. It was awesome to see them because it was really intimate. But right. they, did. they only played for like an hour. Right. I like, Man, I want to see yeah. Chris Isaac go on for two hours. Like a it's and it's just but, this side of a gimmick. But back mm. to the original question. We're about to see Bricktown reinvented as a music hub, a yeah, real awesome. music hub. You also have the Wormy, Wormy Dog Saloon. You have JJ's oh. Alley. Yeah. You've got live music a lot of time at uh, the Mantle. Uh, we're really starting to see a transformation of okay, Fest. Place. <laughs> Wait, actually, what you meant to Hang say on. was the Metro Music Metro Fest. Music I'm Fest. Sorry, but, like, Metro Music thing. Fest. I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah, you don't have to. Neither does yeah, anybody. Nobody, yeah. does. Uh, nobody knows how to answer so that. So Metro Let's Music Fest has really gathered some uh, really great crowds here in Bricktown. So, and you know, the thing is, Bricktown has had this issue in recent years where it's like the cool kids are like, oh, I'm too cool to go to Bricktown. It's like. Right. You know, I'm into placemaking. Well, guess what, kids? Bricktown was placemaking. You don't have the Plaza District without Bricktown breaking ground first. You don't have Midtown. You don't have Auto Alley. Sorry, you don't. It's, you know, a lot of these. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, wow. Chad has a great loyalty to Auto Alley. And I do. I'm just I do being love a proactive. But yeah. I, I, love when you're like I love brothers, all the downtown. You can Come on. I, met, yeah. I met you guys at the pump. Right. Okay. I'm not and that's not even technically downtown. But, but I'm just I, saying the cool kids yeah. need to realize it started with Bricktown. And Bricktown, by the way, Skinny Slims, it's Bricktown. ACM, <laughs> yeah. 
is Bricktown. And what you're going to have with live <laughs> local music is Bricktown. For, for the record, this is not the Bricktown water taxi guy who's <laughs> chilling for Bricktown right now. <laughs> so, okay, I will say this. Yes, Go it ahead does. And chill. Well, I'll, I'll, okay. Uh, it, it has developed that reputation, I think. But one of the things is that's just kind of the cycle sometimes of the new. So people are you know attracted to the new sure. places and usually it's you know the cool kids who find the new places right um i was having this conversation with someone today in fact where we were talking about how many how the tourism business spills over on um on oklahoma city in ways that locals don't even really know whenever you're setting at a place like the pump or when you're setting at a place uh, in Plaza at the Mule or wherever, you really don't. You you assume that the person sitting next to you at the next table is local, and a lot of times they're not because they're being sent by other right. locals sure. and they're being sent by the CVB and they're being sent by their hotelier to these places. And you know this is, by the way, great economic development for Oklahoma City when people come here from other cities and they spend their money in Oklahoma City and the tourism industry and the meeting industry those those have been on a, a trajectory over the last 20 years that is pretty amazing so that is something that i experience firsthand but but the one thing that i was going to say is a lot of people would be startled to find out that for instance Bricktown has more than 30 bars and restaurants that are locally owned. Well, and that's okay. what I was going to say is a lot of the stuff coming yeah. into Bricktown places. right now is really local. It's, they're local places. And, and yeah. there are a lot of businesses that are centered in Bricktown that are, you know, so not to make this all about Bricktown, but I'm just saying, I think that especially with the, with the music thing coming on the way that it is here, there's probably going to be an, a kind of a rebirth in Bricktown related to that, and people are going to re-experience. And I hear that all the time. People come in, they go, "Man, I haven't been down here for years, and I forgot that it's kind of neat," you know. Yeah. So, you know, this whole discussion though is really an example of what's going on in Oklahoma City that makes it different from 1986. I was here during the oil bust, and you know, the big fear out there now is, you know. Oils below thirty. Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Are we going to see it's the same really thing? It's really scary. It's you know, it's it's bad. I'm not going to tell you it's good. It's bad I anytime mean, people lose jobs. Seven hundred people being laid off right. at three thirty three West Sheridan is not a good thing. Right. Uh, there's a new parody account the, on Twitter the that has a freaked out sandwich employee. Wait, are you uh, serious? Yeah, one of his most hilarious tweets is, uh, "Oh my god." Executives from OG and E are taking measurements of our offices. Oh. I'm screwed. I'm screwed. I'm screwed. Except that's what was the F word. But you know, it's, uh, and, how many of those counts do you run, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> that's not me. Dude. That's see, not me. Uh, every time yeah, I see a parody but, account pop up, I think it's either the Lost Ogle or a that's Jew. That's not me. Okay. Uh, but uh, at the same time, you know, all the talent in this town, all the creativity. We didn't have that going on in 1986. Right. And we didn't have tourism. We didn't have Boeing like we do now. We don't have Paycom the way we do now. We don't have Loves the way we do now. We don't have Lo Hobby Lobby. Well, and look at I, how, well, I, you know, how much bigger Sonic is now mm -hmm. than yeah, it was back I, then. I, you know, you don't want to, like, jinx, you know, how things are going. But our unemployment well, rate just dropped. 
you know, I actually, people keep on asking me, you know, how much do you fear this plunge in the energy business? And quite honestly, I fear the legislative session more than I do the right. energy drop. Absolutely. I fear <clears throat> what harm these guys are going to do next. Well, and I think what we've been kind of talking about with the Bricktown, one of the things that we were talking about before this episode was how back then when oil fell, that was literally, you kind of hit on that, that was really the only thing Oklahoma had going for it. Well, you had banking collapsing too, and agriculture was in bad shape too. Right, so, and so those things sort of all fell in on themselves and everything stalled. But here, yeah. we've, I guess you could say we've diversified enough right. over the decades. That, I think right. we have. This is a test. Yeah, well, but I mean, to look, at, to look at the things like, you know, when energy dropped, we we lost the development in terms of the OG&E towers, at least for the time being. There's which now. Might, yeah, and I don't, I do not anticipate that that'll happen. They right, say the two towers to, on the stage center site will eventually get built. I have my doubts. Right, but at the same yeah. time, what hasn't happened is we didn't see the criteria install or we didn't see mm -hmm. the 21C stall. We didn't see, right. you know, what's going on in a lot of these other developments. And I think a lot of that is because they're coming from industries and areas that aren't and so far first national yeah I mean, like the first national center redevelopment uh, yeah. so far it's it's holding steady well i think that this growth too and i'm certainly not a an expert an expert in economics but uh, this growth has having been around when the other thing happened uh, you know, i started spending a lot of time in oklahoma around 1980 and i moved here in 1986 to oklahoma city and having been around and, and seen it and known people who went through it and know people who are in various industries now including quite a few bankers mm. you know lending is very different than it was right. then it used to be a situation where reckless. if you had a geology degree in a corvette you pulled up at a bank and they would you know, you'd go in and they'd write you a million dollar check. Exactly. That's uh, not an exaggeration. No, it's not. It no, no. happened. And, and so now um, th those jobs, by the way, are a lot more corporate. I'm talking about the, en the energy sector jobs. That's, they're, they're not uh, a guy with five people in his office. I mean, those, by the way, still exist. But um, so you, the energy is, in industry is restructured a lot. Lending is a lot more different. And the growth that we're seeing right now is a lot more, this word's overused these days, but is a lot more organic growth. Yes, it is. It is uh, yeah. growth in the middle of the city around things that really have nothing to do with that industry. And it's really knitting the city back together where it was being pulled apart during that, t during that era, during mm -hmm. the 70s. So that's why you're seeing so much more growth in the middle. And as more people move downtown and move to the center of the city, not to dismiss growth at the edge, which there's still plenty of, but you're starting to see those people sort of making all of this viable. Yeah. And I really think there's a lot less instability. And one other thing related to that this morning, I mentioned I was talking to a guy who's a local developer who we all know, uh, who has been around banking a lot also. And, and uh, he mentioned to me, and I'd never heard this, that there was another collapse that took place back in 86 that is not talked about when we talk about the, really? about the energy 86 sector. 86 was far worse and than 83. And, and it has to do with real estate, and it was a national collapse. Yeah. There, it was related to tax law, and I didn't. this was news to me. I hadn't really studied up on this, but tax law in around 80, or maybe it was late 70s, he said, started giving you a protection where if you had... Can't even remember how he described it, but uh, if you had losses in real estate, those losses could um, could be realized against your tax burden. 
Okay. Oh, okay. So it was it was like a it was like a tax it free for depreciation. loss. And and, uh, and if if your real estate lost value. So what that caused was that caused a lot of speculative real estate investment oh, wow. here and everywhere. It, it and, really and, hit Paseo hard. That's so, when Paseo fell apart and everything was boarded up. It and, was horrible. So in 1986, yeah. in 1986 they did away with that tax rule. It was only around for a few years, but it was just enough time to fuel some crazy speculative growth or speculative buying. And, and borrowing. And yeah. so whenever all of that happened, it created another collapse that just kind of was oh, twisting the knife in Oklahoma City, which was already suffering from energy. So there's a lot more to it than just the uh, um, the energy sector thing that we talk about a lot. Well, yeah. so kind of to the contrary of that, there was an article that um, uh, about real estate in the urban core that apparently right now, if, if you're a realtor and you have somebody that's looking to buy a home in the urban core, that the supply of available homes is the lowest that they've seen yeah, it in yeah. decades. Let, let's talk about that. Here's what, and I've talked to some home builders too, uh, one who's a suburban home builder who's shifting his business model. Here's where things seem to be heading, is you've had a lot of homes, uh, let's call them McMansions or whatever, but anywhere mm -hmm. from $350,000 to a yeah. half million being built in Edmond, Southern Southmore, Midwest City, uh, kind of there on the French. And that's where we're going to see the impact of the cuts at Chesapeake, right. Sam Ridge, right. and in Devon, yep. uh, where those people have bought homes. Now some of them are having to leave the state or they're downsizing. And it's slowing down. It's going to slow down. It's just, it's inevitable. But what's happened in the urban core is you've seen this huge disparity between supply and demand, where demand has really outstripped supply. And there was unrealized demand already. Yeah. In 2000, Urban yeah. Renewal did a survey that said it's that, been building for a while. that the market could absorb, I can't remember, it was like 6,000 units immediately. This yeah. was in 2000, long before 2000? we had this. In long, 2000. Long before we had the growth that we have going on right now. And it was and right, by the way. They, they said that the market absorption for residential would immediately be 6,000 units. If, if, am I right about yes. that, Steve? Yeah. Uh, so, um, and... Well, but, that and, included and rental. That included it did. It rental. did include rental, but but none of those units were built at that point in time. There was only a trickle of new housing that was that came uh -huh. online between then and just a couple of years ago. <clears throat> so if you're just assuming just that market absorption of the six thousand, we're still way behind. Yeah. And we all know that Oklahoma City's central portion is way more attractive. And and totally. that's just a Certainly. lifestyle choice that people are making too to mm -hmm. move to the center. And so you're you're seeing demand now that didn't exist in two thousand. <laughs> so you can't tell me that it's not way more than the six thousand. So you'll hear people talk about, well, you know, sure is a lot of housing building up downtown or when is it gonna you know, when is that gonna overbuild when is the supply going to outstrip demand? I think we are Still many, many, up. many thousands of units <laughs> now, away now, from that. That's awesome. Now let, let's let's I mean, Let's, two years ago when Level was built and completed, I was moving, and like the month it was open, they were already like ten months yeah, back sold out. Yeah, yeah, and there were a couple like that. Now let's let's back up a second. We're going to see the multifamily housing still being built around twenty one C out there mm -hmm. in the old Fred Jones Manufacturing, what is now a hundred year old original Ford Model T plant. Yeah. Very cool. That is still on track to happen. Uh, but 
there are at least a couple projects I was tracking that are now on deep freeze. And that's because lenders are getting a little bit nervous. Naturally. But the home builders, on the other hand, they're actually stepping up plans to build for sale housing. So what I see happening this next couple of years is you have several hundred apartment units coming online this year between the metropolitan... I'm sorry. Do you edit this at all? You're going to edit out everything that you said (laughs) in this interview. (laughs) Yep. He's right. That's right. In fact, your mic just hasn't been on this whole time. People are going to discover just how tongue-tied I am. Well, this is why you're a writer. Right. Back in college during my radio class, I got teased for years afterwards because I started off broadcast going... Courtroom drama continued today in the trial of Donnelly Bechtel. So you, you sound like you have one of those very 50 style We're here on the radio today. We got <laughs> That's right. Steve Lagman. My girlfriend. Eh? Uh, so anyway, but you're gonna see uh, you're gonna see quite a bit of for sale housing being built in West Midtown still. It's been going crazy with all that uh, modern contemporary housing. You mean Sosa. You know, yeah, there's so, still a war so between so cottage so. districts, Sosa, and I'm like sick of it. So I just call it mid. Sick of Midtown. Until there's, I'm until there's, a, I just call it West it. Midtown. Can we call just, it Midwest Town? Southwest Midtown. <laughs> Southwest Midtown. <laughs> Southwest Midtown. <laughs> is it Soda Sopa? Yeah, Soda Sopa. Well, that's where the, I start thinking. The residences at the loss. The residences at the loss at Kenny's house. Historic Kenny's house. This is out of South Park for those who have not. Historic Kenny's house gotten in on this joke there was a great uh this season uh, of south episode. park was basically like it was about oklahoma it was about oklahoma yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you know we don't want the panhandlers so uh, <laughs> that's exactly right i mean uh, south park is totally about oklahoma city <laughs> well you know it's it's been on target about gentrification and, oh, yeah. and all that but hey we got whole foods and we got our soda sopa and we're uh, going to get a Trader Joe's. Too. We're working on our city pot town. Oh, yeah. The city pot town. <laughs> Is that Memorial Road? Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> You're going to scare away their sponsors. Oh, you have got sponsors? They don't have sponsors. sponsors. We got a couple that oh, are in well, works. So. Uh, maybe. And so I think this so is far, the episode so that we're saying it, Steve. So far we're saying. But uh, <laughs> Steve. So yeah, but you've got you've got over 300 units coming online with the Metropolitan this next month off yeah. of the eighth and uh, Oklahoma Avenue. <laughs> that's 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 going to be no, a pretty no, cool no, place. I'm meeting the owner this next week. He says it's opening, and then you got the lift, which really looks a lot better than I thought it would at Eleventh and Church. Yeah, I mean, I thought it would look nope. okay, but yeah. it really is totally different than anything I've seen built in a good way. Yeah. And then you've it's got cool. the Frank being built, which is a little bit smaller, that's just there to the west. Uh, you've got some senior housing being built along Class and Drive, which is good because uh, we need that diversity. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't get talked a lot yeah, I mean, about You're a lot, about to be a senior. Oh. <laughs> you, well, come on. I'm right behind you. <laughs> okay, since this is a podcast, for those who do not know Chad or I, who's got the gray hair? Uh, fortunately, I don't have much hair? of it. I do. Who's got, I have, I have, less, I have less and less tell gray hair tell every day. Tell listeners, who's got more gray hair? He's, He's Chad's got a halo of, of white <laughs> It's it's you you come on now. If we a were, halo of white. I like that. You look I older. Like <laughs> you look older. Clearly, 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 you've not been living life no, the way I have not been living. You well. should have been. No. Do you need to examine your life choices? If you can say that about me. <laughs> hey, real just quick, I want to. So I anyway, get that's your, where we're at. I want to get your guys' opinion on something real quick because we're probably about to wrap up here. But um, 
what's being referred to as the chill bill. The what? what the chill bill. The, the resolution that's going alcohol. through. Yeah, about having uh, refrigerated SJR sixty eight. And uh, liquor stores. Oh, the one Budweiser is really upset. Yes. Yeah. The one Budweiser is not doing a I campaign. I thought this was I'm a getting, Tarantino reference. Honestly, I'm getting really <laughs> torn on this issue myself because I, obviously there's the benefit to the local breweries, but then I've seen this outcry of the local liquor store owners that are all like, you're going to screw us over. And, and what? all of a sudden we're going to be competing with Walmart. And I'm like, well, but isn't that like every other state in the country? And yeah. Like yeah. These still yeah. And Texas still has plenty of local retailers. The deal is you've had a group of people who have enjoyed the status quo. Because I'm still uh, not going to go to Walmart. And I don't think <laughs> no, consumers no. are happy with that status quo. It's been written for those who are doing it on the supply and distribution side, not for the consumers. And Oklahomans have finally said enough is enough. It's about the consumers. Well, it really was prohibition era. I mean, all the laws were prohibition era laws that that ended yeah. up ended up protecting. I don't know if it if it uh, was intended that way, but ended up protecting certain groups of people, and they've enjoyed that the entire time. I could, by the way, don't, don't these Anheuser Busch commercials just turn your stomach? Yeah, yeah. I've seen them. They're running. Seen, I've seen it's a ads. backfire. It is. Oh, they're uh, they're just getting this reamed on social media. There, there's yeah. a local downtown reamed. PR firm keep doing that. this campaign. It's terrible. I haven't done the, haven't uh, done the really? research to figure out who's doing it. They, they, Are these friends oh, of mine? I, I can tell you who's doing I'm it. I'm sure you can. I don't want to call. I don't want to call out a powerful PR firm. No, we're not. Yeah. You know, this guy. Never pick a fight with somebody who buys ink by the barrel. And you definitely know. Yeah. And you don't want to pick a fight with someone who's taller than you. What? You don't want to pick a fight with someone who's taller. Than with than you as well. Well, okay. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Say no more. Say no more. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I think you're going to have to say more, Steve. You might have to that one. No, I'm, think, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I'm pretty tall. Steven's pretty, pretty tall. tall. Are you talking about Brian Bergman? Is this Bergman? That no, it's not Bergman. <laughs> but you know, at the same time, you know, oh, I and you. they're saying uh, no, Budweiser, you know, you don't want to put us out of business. And I'm thinking, you know, I, I hear from a lot of beer drinkers who say you're doing that. All on, on your, your own. own. Yeah. You're doing it on your <laughs> own. Uh, well, that's another thing, too, is the the way that it, it's always interesting whenever new legislation comes around and it's time to go for a vote is the different perspectives that a lot of people will take on it and their own personal understanding mm -hmm. of it. There's people well, arguing that this bill actually, it not only does it, you know, screw Anheuser-Busch, but on the other hand, it's going to favor Walmart somehow. In some way, people have this really solid belief that this bill really helps Walmart a lot, and that they're going to be voting to. If you're looking help for a fine money, wine or really good beer, you're not you're going really to go to Walmart. Go to Walmart. Right. If you think this Come bill supports now. Walmart, you don't understand the bill. The people who are well, bought, who are going to buy beer at Walmart are the people who are already buying beer at well, Walmart. The, the, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and as far as the, the way that you know the way that it's affecting Anheuser Busch, my understanding is, and I've read a little bit uh, on it, is that it. It adds a layer. It adds a layer to the distribution process. Right. It takes out a, a little bit of money that they're making. Also, right. by the way, if they go to single strength, then they end up. It, it has liquor tax associated with it. So that's right. why they're saying it makes it more expensive. So what they're saying is this is appealing directly to Budweiser drinkers is to say, well, don't you still want your cheap three two beer? But you know, in other states, no, they, I don't. No, who 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 does? <laughs> but the the way that uh, this is happening has happened in other states. States, where InBev 
Let's not forget they're a Belgian company. It's not American. It's not even American profits, uh, and and they are still active in those markets. It's not like they closed right. up and went away. Well, yeah, so say like the only thing it's really doing is forcing them to not distribute their own product, from right? Where, and then, then the tax implications, right? But it's like, well, again, that's what you're doing in every right. other state, right? Because all we're doing really is breaking up. And your does monopoly. anyone really believe that if this law passes, suddenly you won't be able to buy Budweiser in Oklahoma? No. Of course not. And, well, and no. by the way, I don't think Miller Coors is against it. I, I again, I haven't. I haven't I'm not 100, percent but you certainly aren't seeing them advertising. Right. But they have a strong beer distributor. That's the difference. Is Miller uh, Coors went out and formed a strong beer distributor, and so they're already ready for this thing. If it, it takes happen. place, they're ready for it to happen. Yeah. They've already got Look their at ducks that. They're, in a row. They're, they're, they're prepared for change instead of trying right. to fight against it. Does anyone have any doubt as to whether this will? I did a long time ago. Yeah, it's fantastic. I. I think it'll probably pass. I think it will pass, but you know the the one thing that always causes something to not pass is is people being afraid. That's always the biggest argument against something is people driving that sense of fear. Oh, look at all of these jobs that are going to be lost. You should be afraid. Don't vote for it. I actually wondered this: Is it coincidence that they're advertising that seven hundred jobs will be lost when we just had seven hundred jobs lost? Wow, that's dark. Well, uh, that that's, are they trying to make? Are they trying to make that association? That, you know? that, see how you know how bad it is when we lose seven hundred jobs. We're going to yeah. lose another seven. Like, right. yeah. Do you think that kind of? Well, you know, I think you know clearly one thing to note. You know, I'm a newspaper guy. This whole big discussion started with that full page ad, right. and I think both sides should really go out of the way to tell their story more by buying more full-page ads in the Oklahoma. And they should probably probably take out some ads on like local local podcasts. But really, the the big bounce bounce occurred with the Oklahoma, and I really think that shows if you really want to tell your story, you need to buy a full-page ad in the Oklahoma. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the whole room just goes also, quiet. If and my boss has ever listened to this, they're <laughs> shaking their heads, going, This is either really bad or he's a genius. Uh, <laughs> well, I also, like the whole job loss thing, the last bit I'll throw my two cents on this is I also wonder if this is going to benefit our local craft brewers so well. Are they then not going to have to ramp up and create more jobs? They're going to hire the, people. Right. Maybe I don't they'll be hiring them from Budweiser. Yeah. I, mean, I like, don't believe that you're going to lose your job argument. I don't believe it. I don't yeah. either. Hogwash, I, either. I say. I think it's hogwash. Yeah, you've a got lie. a good point. I think the locals will be hiring more. And then the question is, okay, so you've got InBev based in Belgium, and maybe they lose some money being made in Oklahoma. And then you've got some Oklahoma-based businesses who get the upside of that. Well, let's think about How it. How is this a bad thing? Right. Well, there's, there's a stat of some sort that, like, for every dollar you spend on a local business, the Turns impact over is. over seven times, I think. Yeah, versus a dollar spent on yeah. an out-of-state business. So yeah. it's like, yeah, even if we're spending a million less dollars a year on Budweiser and we're only spending 200000 on local beer because of it, well, that 200000 has a bigger and, impact right. than a million and, and did And think anyway. about the tax base America lost. When Anheuser Busch got sold sure. to InBev, yeah, yeah, you know, we keep seeing these companies, you know, relocating overseas. Burger King, uh, Walgreens attempted it. Halliburton, you know, maybe well, there does need to be. I'm not talking about protectionism, protectionism, but you know, at the same time, you know, if we've got a law here and it basically builds up the local companies. 
and says enough monopoly status for the out-of-the-country mm-hmm. companies, how is this a bad thing? I don't think it is. Well, and also, by the way, whenever that, that partnership happened between Anheuser-Busch and InBev, they took beers that were in the InBev stable that were actually decent beers like Stella Artois, right. and they suddenly came up with a 3-2 version and put a 3-2 version of the product, uh, of the product in the market. And so now, nine times out of ten, if you go to a place yeah. here, here in Oklahoma and order a Stella, you're going to get shit beer, okay, because it's a 3-2 version. And what well, I also wonder, too, like now you don't have to operate a 3-2 production line. Just stop it. So right. how much money are you going to save by shutting down that operation and focusing more on higher point? Yeah. Or, well, what about what, distribution? I think the common theme is we want better beer. Yeah. Yes. Right. Well, and then the other thing that it's going to affect, and too, is that it's not just beer alcohol. that we're talking about, though, either. It's also going to affect, like, uh, wine distribution as well. Right. So, like, on what side of, of wine distribution is that going to have an effect on? How is Walmart going to get their wine on their store versus how like liquor stores get the wine? Is it going to be the same distributors? And see, I think that there's some complicating factors in there that Oklahoma wineries, um, they distribute differently. I think Oklahoma wineries can sell directly to the liquor stores and craft brewers cannot. And you're right. right. And so it's, it's all convoluted. It's a, just a mess. And I think it's a relic of prohibition. It is. It's more than a relic of prohibition, though. This is a, this is a status quo of essentially monopoly. Well, people figured out how to work that relic of prohibition to, to their to their advantage. And, and it's time. It's been at consumers' expense. No one is like this. And I heard stories from some local folks in the craft brewery movement, when especially in the early years, really had a difficult time with the distributors. Yeah. And that was all because of monopoly status. And it just happened. The consumer said enough is enough and made craft beer uh, successful and popular despite the status quo. Well, I would uh, seriously, Beer Wars, if you're f- interested in this topic, watch that movie. It's a little bit dated now. It's I think it's close to 10 years old. But it talks about the war, even back then, that Anheuser-Busch was waging on craft breweries. Yep. Yeah. And it's fascinating fast you'll never drink another budweiser again <laughs> and 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 you know and now I 10 know. years later you've got some of these major global uh companies that are creating these localized labels posing yeah. as local craft beer yeah, post office boxes kind of yeah yeah and it's there's one here in oklahoma i won't name names but there's one here in oklahoma Easy. that and the other thing yeah. that's that's Significant. I'm sorry, why, why can't I just tell things the way <laughs> The other thing that's significant to me is my uh, is to see how, you know, our small local breweries as they are, how much of an impact they have. And, like, we're going back and talking about all the development things going on and how it's sort of being spurred by those people who care and live in the city. The same thing is with these local breweries. There's not an event I go to where it's either not supported by Coop or Anthem or Prairie or, right. you know, like they are out there. Right. Yeah. They're all out there. Like they're not making a ton, right? Like they're not bed in bevs. They're not these big giant corporations, but they're still giving so much back. Imagine what's going to happen when they're bigger and stronger. Sure. And more. I mean, it's just going to, more right ties back. to the community. Yeah. Well, so, that's what's I mean, weird about those Anheuser Busch commercials is that they're trying to appeal to like this local market, but how many people are going to you know vote against it because you know of what Anheuser Busch was telling them? Who's going to trust what the corporate giant is saying? Yeah. Well, it's definitely a lowest common denominator campaign, and that's it not is. to be mean, but I mean that, that's <clears> who they're trying to 
to uh, appeal to. You're it's right. the same kind well, of people who vote for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are over an hour, um, so we're going to wait a minute. This you, up. Said you don't want to talk about minutes. Donald Trump? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can keep <laughs> going. But I, just, I mean, I think the overall theme of what we've been talking about is there's a lot of very crazy things going on around here. It's maybe one of the most significant. Not to mention state question seven seven seven. We could do a whole episode about yeah, that. Shut up. <laughs> I don't even know what that is. But change is good. Change is good, and Oklahoma is seeing Needs a lot change of change is good. Right now, so. Change change can be very good, even if it's painful. Yeah. So, with that, on that note, we'll let our listeners all decide to have their own Trump conversations. There you go. Because <laughs> he's not getting discussed enough in this country. Yeah, no, we're not yeah. talking about I'm that. voting for him. You are? Absolutely. Who wouldn't? All right. Well, I'll meet you in the back alley after we're done. We'll be back next week without John. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that was Aaron that said that, not me. No, you're the one voting for Trump. Shit. Okay. All right. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for coming in and talking. Thanks Thanks for having us. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's Kurt's awesome. awesome! That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. You can help us continue our urban adventures by going to our website, www.waftyshow.com, and clicking on Support Us, where you will find a variety of ways to contribute, including becoming a Wafty Knight, which will grant you access to our exclusive content. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. We're on soundcloud.com slash waftyshow. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show, Facebook.com slash Wafty Show, and of course, www.waftyshow.com. We'll, we'll see you next week. week. Woo! I-